0: I'm blessed with two loving parents and two younger siblings. Uh, my mom and I, in particular, are, are very much alike. My brother, however, my younger brother, Kevin, he's, he's kind of wired a little bit differently than everybody in the family. It's a very different temperament than everybody else. You're sure, probably thinking in your family is that one person who's kind of wired a little bit differently. It's not a bad thing, it's a great blessing. Uh, But my my mom and my little brother, when my brother was younger, they would occasionally butt heads a lot. My mom and I are both very type A. My brother is a lot of things, but he is not that. He is not very type A at all. Uh, And one time at a family gathering, my mom was with her sister in the kitchen. They were getting dinner ready. uh, And my brother was somehow in the doghouse with my mom. Somehow was, and they were just talking about it. And my mom said to her sister, my aunt Peggy, she says, gosh, I need to tighten the noose with that kid. And my Aunt Peggy was a little bit shocked, taken aback by it. And she said, don't you mean the leash? And my mom said, oh, no, the noose. In that moment, my, my mom could have. She could have tempered her words. But, but she did not. She doubled down. She had a choice, and she deliberately said, no, I am going to double down. It's a family joke nowadays. Don't don't think that she actually followed up on it. That would have been very tragic and terrible. Uh, But it's a family joke nowadays that my mom doubled down and said, oh no, the noose, when it came to disciplining my brother. And Christ says some words to his disciples and to the people that were in that synagogue in Capernaum that, that sort of shocks them. Not unlike my mom talking about wanting to tighten the noose on my brother. Christ tells his followers that he wants them to eat his flesh and to drink his blood. And it startles them. This is very graphic language that Christ uses, and we hear that it startled the people, and they sort of gave him an opportunity to tone down his words. They almost say to him, like, do you really mean that? Do you really mean you want us to eat your flesh and drink your blood? And just like my mom, Jesus doubles down. And if anything, re-emphasizes what he's teaching. He goes further and further down that path of wanting us to consume his flesh and drink his blood so that there can be no doubt, no doubt whatsoever, about what he wants to say and what he wants to teach us. Again, look at these words. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. He is, of course, speaking about the Holy Eucharist, this great feast of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ, we celebrate Jesus' real presence in the body and blood of Christ. Again, his words emphasize this in, again, almost graphic detail. It's as if he wants to emphasize to us that the Eucharist is not just a metaphor, it is not just a symbol, as some of our Protestant brothers and sisters might believe, it is the real thing. It is Jesus' very body, blood, soul, and divinity. Our Lord did not say, "Who He who eats a symbol of my flesh, or he who eats a symbol of my blood has eternal life. No, he said, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. This is why the Eucharist is considered the highest of all the sacraments. Because all the other sacraments give us God's grace, or they give us his work, but the Eucharist actually gives us God himself, gives us the real thing. And even some of the specific words Jesus uses in this gospel, he uses a a Greek word called "trogian." I think that's what it's pronounced. It's all Greek to me. But it's a word that means gnaw, it means like to chew, he who gnaws at my flesh and chews my flesh, plus drinking his blood, almost like, like gnawing at a steak. It would have been very weird for the people to hear. And also a major break from Jewish custom at the time, because eating the fat of an animal or drinking its blood or using its blood for cooking would have been unclean. They would have been kicked out of the very synagogue that they were in if they would have done such a thing. And yet Jesus is very serious. He doubles down. Even after the Jews are quarreling among themselves and can't seem to wrap their heads around it, Christ says it again, and he says it in fact three more times in this gospel. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Our Lord could not have been any clearer that it is his very self, His actual body and blood that He wants us to have with us forever in the Holy Eucharist. And this has been the teaching of our Catholic faith from the very beginning, taught without ambiguity or any doubt whatsoever. This has always been what we've believed and always what we have professed and lived. St. Thomas Aquinas says it quite beautifully. He says this, Christ's followers know by faith, that bread is changed into his flesh, and wine into his blood. We cannot understand this, we cannot perceive it on our own, but a lively faith affirms the change, which is outside the natural course of things. His body is our food, his blood our drink. Again, no one in our Catholic faith has ever thought of the Eucharist as merely a metaphor or a symbol certainly wasn't the case for St. Ignatius of Antioch, one of the great early church fathers. He was writing to a group of people on his way to being martyred in the Colosseum in Rome. And he wrote these very beautiful words about what he was about to do and also about our Lord in the Eucharist. He says this, I am, I am God's pure wheat and I shall be ground by the teeth of beasts that I may become the pure bread of Christ." What an image that is. It's pretty real, certainly. Ignatius would have never said that that about something that he thought of only as a symbol or only as a metaphor. He could only say those beautiful words if he truly believed in the real presence of Jesus. Or maybe we can look to the example of St. Tarsusius, He was a young man, maybe a teenager, lived in third century Rome during a persecution by the Emperor Valerian. And his job was to minister to imprisoned Christians in Rome. He was an acolyte. They trusted lay people to go to the various prisons because priests would be noticed and they would be too easily captured. And one day while bringing the blessed sacrament to a group of imprisoned Christians, he ran into a mob. And the mob knew who he was They wanted the Eucharist. They wanted to take it. They wanted to desecrate our Lord. And so they beat him and beat him until he died. And yet his assailants couldn't find any trace of the Eucharist on his person or in his clothing. A little miracle happened there. St. Tarsusius is often called the boy martyr of the Holy Eucharist. Only one thing could inspire such beautiful words and powerful witness. Our Lord's real presence in the Blessed Sacrament. No one would ever die for just a symbol or die for a metaphor. They would only die for the real thing. So on this Feast of Corpus Christi, brothers and sisters, let us profess once again our belief in Christ's real presence in the Eucharist, his body, his blood, his soul, and his divinity, and rejoice that it is Christ himself that we receive in Holy Communion his very flesh, and blood.